ring, ring, ring. Hello, we parents, admin, guidance counselors. I think we have a problem. What's the problem? Teachers are quitting. Teachers are quitting. Today, we're going to talk about I why hate teachers you. are quitting. <laughs> hey, everyone. Welcome back to the I Just Teach Here podcast with Jess and Sabria. This podcast, you get a little snippet into the lives and thoughts of teachers where we don't make the rules. We just teach here today. I mean, I think I wow, say- Wow. Can I just compliment you on that intro? Thank you so much. It only took one take this time. It was like wow. eight episodes for that to happen. <laughs> I love that for you. So Sabria, why don't you tell us about today's topic? So today we are going to be talking about why teachers are quitting. Why are teachers leaving the field? And the person who inspired this episode is our best friend, Bree, over at Honest Teacher Vibes. Um, we just found out last week that she put her keys and her ID on her desk and she walked out of that building for the last time. There were a lot of things that led up to that. Uh, so I'll just go over that and explain all of that and what led her to quitting her job as best as I can remember. Essentially, Brie had a class who was extremely difficult, comprised of IEP students and a lot of behaviors. She had requested from her administration to kind of spread them to her other periods. So that way there wasn't so many behavior problems within one class. Soon after she was then giving an, given another student with more behaviors. Administration's response seemed to be, well, there's nothing I can do. We'll see have, what I can do about I'll see that. what I can do kind of deal with it. And, and this is the straw that's been breaking all the camel's backs or teacher's backs across all classrooms where we're being given more and more students and less and less support. So what we wanted to know and what we put out on our personal pages and also on our, on this podcast, Instagram is we asked all of you teachers and friends and friends of teachers. Why do you guys all think teachers are quitting? What is really going on in schools in America? And you guys answered, and we have a lot to share. I think a lot of it is like, people think that, you know, these stories that you might hear of like teachers being quote unquote abused, it's like an isolated incident of things that are happening, but Honestly, looking at what a lot of people said, maybe even our own experiences, it's not isolated. It's happening around the country. Um, so good for Brie. We stand by you and we're like, go girl, because she chose herself. Her health was being affected by it. And she was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. What we're going to do today is kind of go through Brie's main points of her video on what led her to quit on that day. And we're going to go through and share some stories with, with each of the main points that we felt were pertinent and that we got the most stories about. I, I think that looking through a lot of these messages, um, it's very clumped up of a lot of the same things that have happened. So we can just, I guess, talk about those yeah. specific things. So why don't you start off with our first big point? So one of the biggest things that people talked about was what Sabri and I like to call as dumping kids into classrooms. We saw numerous messages about this 
a classroom teacher may just get a new student and they might not have information on them. Now, given it's very normal for teachers to get new students, I'm not talking about those kind of cases. I'm talking a little bit more about like if there's a child with an IEP that might not be complete, but is brought into your room or a child that was in a bigger class that's too behavioral for a bigger class might end up being dumped into a smaller classroom just because they're too quote unquote behavioral. I'm just going to jump in really quick for those of you who are not teachers An IEP is an individualized education plan. It is something that a team has to work together to form based on the individual needs of a student. So when Jess says that a student doesn't have an IEP, that means that not one person had met to make this uh, recommendation to include this child within this classroom and or the student doesn't even have an IEP and they somehow end up in these in, in these classrooms without proper protocol being followed. And I mean, it's one thing also to have a child dumped into your room, but it's another thing when you don't receive any sort of support for it. You just have to take care of it is what Mm -hmm. ends up happening. Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of times these kids come in with a lot of behaviors that are really difficult to deal with on top of what you're already dealing with. And then you trying to figure out how to deal with them. Right. And Brie also made mention to, which we heard a lot of in our responses is that you don't want to ever say or feel like you can't quote unquote, take care of it. This is Mm -hmm. your job. This is your career and your profession. You are the expert in this field. So admitting to not being able to take care of it or to deal with this child kind of led what it seemed like a lot of teachers to feel inadequate in their position. When we talk about toxicity within our, our field, it's that feeling of if I don't take care of this, then I'm not good enough. If I don't take care of this, I'm failing the kids. When really we could be thinking about it as, I need more support in this because this is more than any individual should be able to handle. But also on the flip side of that, it's like, if you are good at what you do, like I will say for me, I'm great at dealing with behaviors because I've dealt with them my whole entire career. But the thing is, if you're good at what you do, it's like you get punished with more things to do. Mm -hmm. And so like, I mean, I'll even give this as an example. This actually happened to me where I was teaching a bridge class of kindergarten, first and second grade. Mind you, they were split pretty evenly, which means I had to teach all three um, curriculums, all three grades. I have also never taught kindergarten before. And then I was given a new student who definitely required a completely different curriculum. And I honestly, that year was one of the Well, I say, I already said that my last year was one of my worst years, but that year I cried a lot of tears because I had so much teacher guilt because I had to teach probably, even though it's three curriculums plus that one extra curriculum, but the levels of my students were like spanning so much that it wasn't just three, four curriculums. I was teaching seven to eight different things at one time. And I just felt so much guilt that I could not service these children to the best of my ability, because if I just had one grade, I would be able to do a great job, but I was doing so much more 
than I could handle. It was incredibly difficult because when I brought it to the admin, you know, it it was a lot of like, you know, honestly, you're, you're so good at what you do and you're so adaptable and you're able to do this kind of stuff. I know I am, but that doesn't mean that this is right. And so it was a really frustrating year for me that year. Out of all the feelings I felt, I didn't feel like mad at people. I felt so guilty that I couldn't help these kids more. Yeah. But that's because teachers aren't empowered to feel anything other than guilt. We don't have any power. There's Mm -hmm. nothing that would ever make a teacher feel emboldened enough to say, this is not okay. I'm going to fight for my rights. It's never going to happen because we don't have any. Whatever happens in our classrooms is not of our making. It's of whatever is going to make parents or the school community just kind of stay silent and, and let it run. If it's, if it's cogging up the wheel, then that's not what's going to work. So, and, and how sad is that, that education has come to that. It is sad. It's, it's infuriating, but that's why people are leaving. It's because they don't empower teachers to try and make classrooms the best place that the classroom can be. Like all we want to do is make children successful, make them kind human beings, but not that way. Even so to, to not even always make it about the teachers, even though this podcast is for teachers, for a student to be placed in a situation in which the teacher is spread too thin and that student needs a lot more accommodations and support than an individual teacher. It's not fair to that student either that we're just dumping them in a room and it's not fair to the other kids. (laughs) No, but they, but that's the problem, right? A lot of the messages we got in, especially for those self-contained smaller classes, they are the dumping ground. It doesn't matter because it's not the majority of the kids. It's better than having this student in a group, in a, in a room of 30 kids, then all of those kids will be disrupted. So it's just, it just doesn't make sense. If you're saying it's not good for 30 kids, it shouldn't be good for 12 kids either. Honestly, that year, I just above anything felt frustration. I, I felt like as a teacher, I wasn't doing enough. Let's um, talk about that because I feel like guilt was also the word that we kept seeing over and mm-hmm. over and over again, that we should feel guilty for asking for help. It's insane to me. That yeah, that's and how I feel everyone like teachers feels. feel that all the time. You feel guilty about taking a sick day on the sick day. You feel guilty that you're not oh helping, you know, I yeah. just got a message from someone that said that she took a sick day, but she felt guilty about not going online with the kids that were home quarantining. And I was like, but that's not your job. It's not just happening to teachers. We are hearing also that speech providers are also now being dumped themselves into classrooms to act as teachers when there aren't any subs. How is that a thing? Like with their own class, like with their like own classes, with their own classes, not speech students. No, how does that happen? Do that just dumping on everyone. I can't believe we didn't think of a better um, objective here than dumping, but yes, it seems like they're not actually dumping children, but like, right. But they are, (laughs) they're just dumping them on in and to be as transparent as possible. The children that we are hearing about that are being quote unquote dumped are those children who are behavioral, not necessarily those children who need the academic supports. So to move a little bit further into that discussion, what seemed to be another issue is reporting student behavior. 
So the criteria for, and we know from our districts, but apparently this is a problem throughout the United States is that the criteria to report students is either hella vague or it's so specific that no one could meet the criteria for reporting students. There is a system to report students' behaviors that can cause harm to themselves or to others. And there are specific standards that a student has to meet in order for us to be able to report those students. Um, A lot of times when we have these meetings, you know, we're just kind of like, well, that's so specific that the student will never meet something like that. Or it's so vague that you're never really sure. The story that came in, which was very interesting, was it seems like there was a student who was violent in some way toward his teacher. And that teacher then was going to report the student. And and when we say report, it's just, it's essentially documentation because Mm -hmm. God forbid something were to escalate or someone were to be severely injured, then the school would have that paperwork trail to support like, Hey, Mm -hmm. this has been happening over time, so on and so forth. And when that teacher went to go report that student, their administration questioned them about it, asking why they would be reporting that student and is their main goal to get the student kicked out. So to also go along with student behaviors. Um, A story came in stating that when a teacher went to ask for help with regard to how to deal with a certain situation, and they were given none, they were given no guidance on how to properly deal with a situation. So the teacher reached out to, I guess you would call it some type of head teacher, maybe that was supposed to be kind of like a guide to all teachers. We have a chapter leader. So yeah. So like a chapter leader. And the next day, the principal, I guess, had found out maybe there, maybe the union person or whoever this chapter leader person was reported it to the principal. And the principal then went in and spoke to the teacher and said something to the effect of do not ever reach out to any representative without talking to me first. Why? That's what they're there for. Exactly. That just seems bizarre to me. Again, it just goes back to that, like self-preservation of the principal and how they feel like anything negative will reflect back on them. But the teacher had reached out to them for their help and they didn't help. So then the teacher went to somebody else to ask for help because guess what? Teachers are very acutely aware that things are always going to fall on us, especially Mm -hmm. when the principal Mm -hmm. is hands off and doesn't want to be involved with anything. Yes. But what I loved the most about this teacher, she then had another question (laughs) and she marched her little self right in there and said, I'm calling the representative and I wanted you to know. Ooh, I think she's your twin flame though. Dude, I was like, you go girl. Yes. If everybody was like that and given, I wish I was like that, but I'm not. You're like that. Very I much wonder so like if that. teaching would be different if we were all like that. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure she was scared out of her mind, but this is the breaking point that teachers are being brought to. It's kind of like they are doing things that they normally would let slide or they normally wouldn't do because they cannot have it all land on them. And I understand mm-hmm. why she did that. I understand why she felt like she had to tell him because it's kind of like, leaving your own paper trail. I've learned too, you know, when certain things happen that I feel uncomfortable or unsafe or unethical, I always put it in an email. 
I do hundred percent because you need a paper trail because you don't know who's going to stick up for you when. So something else that I'll share as well, at least from what I understand is when you are making these reports, the report maybe counts negatively toward your school's standing. Like, you know, your school gets rated for all these different things. So when you have more of these reports, your school is rated a bit negatively. So when these things are happening now, and this is not the only story, I just picked out one of the stories, but this was not the only one where teachers were cautioned against or said they didn't meet the criteria for reporting student behavior. What do you think about that, Jess? That's crazy. Honestly, I feel like why are things so, why do people have to make things so hush hush and secretive? Like, I'm just confused. If something is happening, it's happening. Right. You know, like, why do we have to, like, it doesn't have to have a motive of like, I'm trying to kick someone out. It's just the paper trail for in case something were to happen later on. Right. You know, I mean, I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure it has something to do with parents. I'm sure it has something to do with somebody, you know, questioning your rating as a school and principals trying to have the best rating possible. I'm sure it has a lot to do with a lot of things that have nothing to do with protecting the teacher and the students. Exactly. And so when you're thinking about reporting students, I think that leads right into our next one is a lot of times, you know, kids are, well, kids that might exhibit behaviors, they might be destroying things. They might be hitting or harming teachers and they just don't have any consequences. And I think this is one of the biggest problems because the amount of stories that we had on control on like, I'm like getting angry thinking about it. Like out of control, like a child that might have hit a teacher or something. And they go to the principal's office and they leave with a lollipop. This was one of the stories they left with a lollipop from the principal's office. Could you imagine hitting the and biting the teacher? I think it was biting the teacher, leaving marks. Um, and then the child, I feel angry thinking about this. The child came in and took the lollipop that she had in her mouth and stuck it in another child's hair. Mm -hmm. And then after school, the principal said that she shouldn't report it because the bite mark did not break skin. It bruised, (laughs) but it did not break skin. Let me just also say something that Brie also touched upon is that just because a child has an IEP does not excuse bad behavior. I am mm-hmm. so sorry. I am so sorry for parents, for children, for teachers, for administrators who believe that having an IEP excuses anybody, never excuses anybody from behaviors like that, that are, that are violent and, and that could hurt others. That is inexcusable ever. Honestly, like we try and teach our students the same values that we would have taught to anybody. You have to not harm other people. (laughs) You have to be kind, you know, and a lot of times when they think they can get away with things, we figure it out as a team Mm -hmm. with their parents. No, no, no. There's no way a child should be doing that. And yours should not be either. So we need to figure this out. I had an experience like in my first couple of years teaching, um, And a parent had actually said, well, I think you're too hard, you know, on my, on my child because he has autism. 
And I said, let me tell you something about your child. He is smart. He is very smart. And he is so capable of understanding consequences that exist within our school community. And he can do it. And let me tell you, by the end of that school year, that parent had learned just like know, give healthy, me- just healthy boundaries and discipline. And I feel like by the end of the school year, I was like, all right, yeah, you don't have to punish them that hard. Like, <laughs> like five minutes out of a game is fine. <laughs> like, you know, like there are just some things that parent or parents I, and media perpetuate like, oh, this, you know, this child has this, so they cannot possibly, and they just undervalue how intelligent all 100%. children are. They yeah. just, it's just like, they invalidate all of that. And they, they know how to get, they know how to get away with let me a tell lot of you, things. They sure do. They sure do. They know exactly how long their meltdown has to be in order for you to give in, to give them their mm-hmm. iPad. I'll tell you that. And I think that that's why admin support is so important. Like I'm just remembering back Sabria, like when with what I think it was my first year there and we had a student that was very worried about fire drills. And Mm -hmm. when he came back in and he was freaking out, our principal would not take like him being rude and was like, you do not talk to me that way. And then it was funny because like, she's not sure if that was the right thing to do because that's what she would have done with any other student. And she looked at us and she was like, was that the right thing? And we were like, yeah, yes, Um, but that's what we need. We need the support. But in a lot of these stories, when situations escalated, who doesn't help admin who closes their door admin. And when you reach out, they say, oh, I'll see what I can do. And they don't. And I think that's just like feeding the fire for like a really toxic environment because like all you really want is a supportive admin. I'm just wondering like what what are admins being taught in like admin school, you know? Fact, like what are what are principals being taught in principal school? I don't know. I don't know because to close doors. It, what was the story that I read? One of the teachers had like a screaming child on the floor happened to be by the main office or by the principal's office and their door was open at the time and the door just slowly closed on her. There was no, mm-hmm. Hey, you need help. Hey, can I get something for you? How dare you, you close the door on somebody dealing with a meltdown and you don't get in on there in there to help. Mm-hmm. Here's what I took. And that's why I'm getting, I'm getting louder because I, I feel like I was just reading all these stories with admin. And I feel like what I heard was admin did not want to take the accountability. And therefore, if anything were to happen, that accountability for whatever happened in that situation would not be shared. It would be only on the teacher. And, Mm -hmm. and that's what I kept hearing when I read these stories about admin, just turning around mid hallway, walking the other way. And it's not just that they don't want to deal with it. It's they don't want their name on it. They don't Mm -hmm. want to have to tell the parent what they saw what they did, what they said, the accountability is all on the teachers. And that's incredibly stressful. That just reminded me of another story that I read and mind you, we put it on our own account. So we have different stories in our things, um, along with our, our podcast, our podcast account. Um, but there was a story of a, um, a teacher that had to take her student because she had 
like peed on herself and she had to take her to the bathroom but she was like wailing and crying and so upset about it and she's like trying to get this poor girl to the bathroom as she's trailing pee and then the admin goes excuse me I think you need to call the parent while she's in the middle of the meltdown and she's like, are you kidding me right now? Why don't you call the parents since you're not doing anything is what she thought, but didn't say. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, come on. Like yeah. you see, there's a crisis going on and you're telling yeah. her more things to do. Yeah. That's exactly actually what, that's exactly what Brie actually said in her story too, is that was one of the responses is, can you call the mom? And she's like, sir, ma'am, you want where, what, with what time I have 30 kids back here, 10 of which are ripping each other's heads off. And you want me to just call a mom. That's what you want me to do. Bree actually did share with one specific student, um, that that exact thing happened where an administrator was seen down the hall. The student saw the administrator was immediately changing their demeanor. And then the admin saw the exchange and what was going on and walked down the stairs, just completely ignored it. And then the student realized, oh, they're not coming for me. So I can still continue on behaving how I'm I'm behaving. And that's the problem. These kids literally feel like they can get away with anything Mm -hmm. because they literally can. They actually can. And what did you say? What did you say that Brie had said? If there's one thing that you take from this, it's that teachers are afraid of their administrators and administrators are afraid of parents. Parents are afraid of their children and these children are afraid of no one. So, and when we talk about being afraid, there is something to be said about boundaries and and discipline. And Mm -hmm. when we talk about discipline, people are quick to talk about corporal punishment, whatever. Absolutely not there is a healthy boundary that needs to be set. And it starts at Mm -hmm. home. You know, teachers can't be expected to come to school and teach children what a boundary is and what you should and should not do and how you should respect adults. But you're not even teaching them basic decency as a human. I mean, Mm -hmm. these stories, there's, there's no care for humans at all. From children, that is a learned behavior. 100%. Where do they learn that from? And to go back a little bit, I'm going to share, when you talk about the toxicity of the culture in schools, my, one of my very first experiences with an administrator, I had a student, she was extremely behavioral and extremely impulsive. And after my session, she took my drink and I just dumped it all over my keyboard my keyboard wasn't working. So I then had to go ask for another keyboard and explain why. And they asked me why. And I said, you know, I had a student who became very upset. They took a drink off the table and dumped it and they stopped me mid sentence. I will never forget the feeling of unworthiness and guilt that started before I was even in the profession. And they were like, you never blame a child for anything. And it will, and if anything happens, it will always be your fault. Exact words. And it's funny. I do the complete opposite in class. I was like, don't look at me mad. You can only blame yourself. <laughs> well, now I know that. Right. But could you imagine like barely being in the profession? I was in the profession for like an hour. And that was what she said to me was that, you know, if, if anything breaks or if anything happens, it is your fault and it is never the child's fault. And I think that's a problem. Mm -hmm. I think that's a huge problem because unpopular opinion, and I'll say it again, is just because you have an IEP does not excuse you from bad behavior. 
from being unkind, from being disrespectful, from crossing people's boundaries. That does not excuse you from that at all. Mm -mm. So that was my very first experience. Do you have one that sticks out with you on when, when that teacher guilt hit you for the first time? I mean, I feel like for me, because I have a great team of you, of Roe, we were really able to work out a lot of behavioral things. And I feel like my teacher guilt, and this is my toxic trait, is that I feel like because I'm good at what I do, a lot of people come to me to do things that I don't necessarily want or have time to do. But in a lot of these, like, it's not just administration. It's like, where is the school-based support team when you need them? I see that Bree had reached out to that guidance counselor multiple times. Hello, where are you at? What you doing? Ignoring emails. Hello. Hello. I'd like to make a call. <laughs> I'd like to report a problem. Honestly, it's so it's, it's just so true. As far as the, the school-based support team, it tends to always land on the teachers, but I feel like my number one question when I was reading these stories is I'm like, first of all, where's the counselors? Where are they? Where are they dealing with these kids with all these behaviors? I mean, isn't that, I mean, I'm stepping outside of my realm a bit, but isn't that a counseling thing? I mean, yeah, aren't they the ones that do crisis intervention? It seems like these kids with all these behaviors should be getting more counseling than what they're getting. Do you agree? Mm -hmm. I mean, what's one time a week of counseling going to do when kids are throwing desks by kindergarten? What's one time a week? They need it every day. What I'm willing to bet is that these type of low mandates for kids who are that behavioral, it's because we don't have enough guidance counselors probably 100%. is what I'm willing to venture to say, because the fact that you have such low mandates, if any, and you have guidance counselors ignoring emails, it, that makes no sense to me if these behaviors are still existing. 100%. And also what Brie is talking about is in middle school, Jess and I, a large portion of our career exists within the elementary school. And I'll tell you why these children are existing in the middle school. And that's because at elementary school, it's not being dealt with. That's why these behaviors are continuing and persisting and are bigger and badder in middle school because these children are bigger. It's because it's not being dealt with at the elementary school level. It's because at the elementary school level, there are minimal consequences for children who are exhibiting behaviors like this. They get lollipops. Why aren't parents sharing in the responsibility of these behavior issues? And we are not talking in specialized schools. We are talking about in public community schools in which there are not specialized programs to deal with specific behaviors such as this. We are not talking about that. That is a whole different entity. Mm -hmm. We're commenting on public schools with teachers who are supposed to be teaching general education classes. That's what we're discussing here. And when children come into school with these behaviors that are so extreme, what is it that we are doing to alleviate and or teach boundaries and consequences? And from what I've read and from what we've experienced, it's nothing from what we've heard. They're getting lollipops and they're saying, do better next time. It's just one day you could try again tomorrow, which is great and dandy. Not when they're punching and biting teachers. Mm -hmm. But honestly, I'm like, this is why teachers are quitting. You're getting beat up and abused, having things thrown at you yet. Who's one that gets in trouble? The teacher, because it's your fault that that happened. You should have deescalated the situation. 
mm-hmm. you should have done it. Yeah. And you know, honestly, like, I feel like if teachers were to quit, they usually quit at the end of the school year, but no, these teachers now are just quitting because they literally, they just can't take it. They can't even wait until June to do it or May, whenever schools end. Right. It's that bad. Bree put out a question and she asked everyone, what is it that we think needs to be done to make schools better? Do you have any ideas? Yes. Um, if you're a lawmaker, if you're a person that has control over us, please take out your pen and your paper and take some notes. We're going over note taken. Resources. Your money does not need to go into a new curriculum that we have to learn. The new workshops that you want to give us, the art supplies that have funding for the, not refrigerator, the, um, what is it called? A new the furniture to hold things. Cause let me tell you, our school has allotted money for certain things. They've got a lot of money for random things. Please use this money to invest in the people that teach the children. If education is so freaking important to you, you need to invest in the educators. They should go into making classroom sizes smaller. Hire that special education teacher. Hire that behavioral interventionist. Hire that extra teacher so that teachers aren't overwhelmed with 30 and about 30 or more kids in the class. Hire that extra guidance counselor so you can have more crisis intervention. There are so many things you can do to alleviate this stress that the teachers are going through. So many things. Yet right. you decide, oh, let's buy another phonics curriculum instead. Right. Why? You Why? know what's crazy is I had as I had one, and then it was completely disproven because I had a little exchange back and forth with some of the teachers that wrote in, and I was like, "Oh, you know what we need is we need administrators who were once teachers, right? Like, because in my head it would be like you and I, like we know what's going on, we know what they need, so on and so forth. But literally everyone was like, "Oh, they are," <laughs> and I was like, "What?" Did they just forget everything they endured in the classroom and they just walked into this position and act like everything is just hunky dory or I don't even know what that phrase means. I mean, we're also not trying to diminish the job of the admin because I know that they deal with a lot. They do, but come on. Some of these decisions that you're making, administrators don't answer to teachers. In fact, they don't really care what teachers think. In my opinion, based on what I've read, they don't, they don't. What they care about is how their school looks and grades. What they care about is how parents respond because parents also have a say in how the school looks and grades. Um, and when I say grades, it's how a school is rated. Like when you move to a new neighborhood and you check out a school's rating parents, mm-hmm. teachers, um, you want and, those test scores up. Yeah. That's who, that's who votes and rates a school. So if, if, administrators are pushing back on parents saying to discipline your children. And yes, they can come to school if they're behaving this way, then that would definitely cause a parent to rate a school lower than a principal who's saying, you know what, they can just try better next time and have this lollipop. Try not to bite your teacher tomorrow, things mm-hmm. like that. And I'm, I'm just making that inference for myself. Someone's principal actually said in a meeting, if you rate our school poorly, then you can just get out. Like, Come down, ma'am whomever, excuse me. These are the people who work 
under you. Can, you. Does that you can write your opinion, but it has to be the opinion I want you to write. Crazy how administrators are so brazen to say these things to the people who they're supposed to inspire to work, you know, together with them. And this is what they're saying to their teachers. It's kind of like a threat. It's not kind of, it is a threat. It is a threat. So if you take anything from this, it's leave a paper trail, ladies and gentlemen, leave a paper trail. Always put it in an email. Okay. Trust me. You won't regret it. My favorite uh, email starter is to follow up with our discussion earlier. Oh yes. That this is what my husband did teach me is always to write dear your admin as per our conversation. I just wanted to reiterate what we talked about. Right. Just I've it. had to use that a couple of times, honestly. Yeah. And, and, and then they call you back. Yes. They call you or they come walk into your room. And I'm like, I know what you're doing. <laughs> I know you're not leaving a paper trail. That's for sure. Reading all of these stories, you know, we, I feel like we felt every single one. There wasn't not one Absolutely. story that I didn't relate with that. I wasn't like, oh, I've never heard of this happening. It's happening. It's happening all the time and everywhere. And, and it has to stop, but how, how is it going to stop? The problem is is that there'll always be, and Brie hit on this too, is that there will always be someone else right behind you lining up to take your job. You know, she felt like she could die with the amount of stress that she was dealing with at that time. And she knew in her head, as all of us Mm -hmm. do that school and the school's not going to stop. If any of us die. They're just going to replace us with another person. You would think with education, with all that we do for the kids and all that we give up and all that we serve, that they would, you know, value our health and our, and our well-being. And that's really not the case mm-hmm. at all. And I think that's just, you know, as we end this episode, which is actually feels depressing now. But, you know, the matter of fact is that teachers are quitting and really good teachers are quitting. So what can people do to make schools a better place? How can we fix this education system? Well, I'll tell you one thing. We need to start with principal school. (laughs) Admin school? That place sucks. We also need a lawmaker school, apparently. <laughs> yeah, we need a lawmaker school. It's trash. Principal school, trash. We need to just, we need to revamp the whole thing. I don't know what is going on. Thank you guys for tuning in for this uh, super depressing episode. We thought it was going to be like kind of amazing, but we're kind of depressed after after having this discussion, but we appreciate you guys for sticking with us and, and tuning in. Um, we encourage everybody who's listening to head over to honest teacher vibes. She's also on YouTube where you can hear her real account and emotions of everything that happened to her. I feel like I butchered her story real bad. Um, but if you head over there, you'll be able to hear a real account of what happened to a real teacher. And I mean, she we don't know her. She seems like such an amazing educator, um, and it just feels like a big loss for the education community with her being out of the classroom. So I, I was watching that whole story in tears, to be honest with you. It, it broke my heart that what seems like such a solid educator is now gone to the field. Um, and kids and families are really missing out without her being there. So thank you guys again for tuning in. And we hope you will tune in for our next episode. Which, which hopefully will not be as depressing. <laughs> hopefully, I think we're going to include on our next episode, our funniest teaching moments, part two. Um, 
so that should be that should be a little bit more lighthearted for you guys to listen to. I'll just warn you ahead of time. We're wearing like 10 outfits in it because we just cut, cut and paste about a million times. We appreciate you guys and we'll see you in our next one. Bye.